Welcome to another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. We like to talk about movies, sports, and whatever else we feel like. I'm Pat. And I'm the Fat Man, otherwise known as Bruce. Coming at you, we're recording the, the dawn hours of the third week of college football season. I guess it's the second week of the official NFL season. And we're going to be talking to you about sports ball, specifically foosball. And I figured we'd kick things off with the old college ball. All right, week one through three, and into week three, things start to change. But typically, at least week one and two, most college teams do not play people in their own conference. Correct. It's sort of an analog to preseason NFL, but also not. The way it's like preseason NFL is that you the games don't count towards your conference numbers. And so when you talk about going to the conference championships, in most conferences, they're split you know, north, south, east, west. They're, they're split between two divisions. And whoever's best in whatever division then goes on and plays in the conference championship. And sometimes, typically, the conference championship of certain conferences will go on to play in the college football playoffs, although there's no guarantees there. And that disconnect there between conference championships and the college football playoffs is what causes these pre-conference games to matter. Because ultimately, college football is a beauty pageant. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah, well, I got some things to say on that here. But yeah, but yeah let's, let's talk about the games first. <laughs> week one. So obviously, our team, week one, our team, Texas A&M, we came out ranked number six. We were six in week one. Well, depending on the poll you were looking at. Six on coaches, poll seven on the AP. So we came out week one, ranked seven. We played the powerhouse of Kent State. and that game was fairly straightforward so the the two biggest things coming out of this game were new quarterback which was haynes king he was announced as the the official quarterback about a week before well actually a week and a day before the game going into that there were two quarterbacks in the running haynes king and zach calzada haynes king had actually played a little bit of ball he played fourth quarter against alabama last year he had one drive he moved the ball pretty decently during that drive and then threw an interception at the very end of it oh well (laughs) (laughs) a 41 to 10 you know yeah (laughs) yeah so him and the offensive line both fairly new played against kent state this was very much a confirmation that we're a second half football team because the game wasn't super different points wise in the first two quarters. And then in the third quarter, we really geared up and kind of beat Kent State down. Well, yeah, the second quarter, <laughs> nobody scored any points in the second. Yeah. And then we just took off from there. Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, at least if you score most of your points in the second half, you really, by that point, you know where you stand on the field. So, you know, you can game plan that way, but you just don't want things to get out of hand in the first half. I don't know if this is coaching philosophy. I don't know. It's just how how Jimbo Fisher works or how everybody in the organization works. But it seems like in the first half of our games, we have a tendency to be feeling out the other team, to be trying things, to be... I don't know how to put it, but a lot of the times the defense looks not great, especially in the first quarter, and the, the offense just doesn't roll very well, <laughs> if, if you get what I'm saying. And it seems like Fisher still has, or in the offensive uh, coordinator, still have this philosophy that we go to third down. You know, we're not trying to make first down every play. We're trying to get yards every play so that we can convert on third down, which is still just scary as hell to me 
because of the Sumlin years. In the Sumlin years, if we went to third down, that means we were going to punt the ball. Right. <laughs> well, see, the, the good part about the philosophy of getting yourself into position to convert third down is that the mentality, you're going to wear out that defense. Right. And, that, and that's exactly what it is. But it means you're a second-half football team. Right. And that's exactly what we did. You know, the third quarter, we put up 17 points. The fourth quarter, we put up another two. Kent State managed to score in the fourth quarter. I imagine we were pulling a lot of de- uh, second, third string defense in at that point. <laughs> at that point, yeah. <laughs> you know, we didn't look bad for sure, but we didn't look good really until the second half. But you know, we had we had a sixty yard run by A chain. We had you know we had the kind of things we were expecting, but it was a little bumpy ride to get there. Oh yeah, Calzada came in in the fourth quarter and did pretty much exactly what Haynes King did in his first appearance in the Alabama game. He drove the ball down a little bit and then threw an interception, (laughs) (laughs) which is like, well, okay. (laughs) You know, (laughs) still saw a lot of work by Spiller. He's kind of our go-to stereotypical running back. The guy that we expect to take three or four hits and, and still get us like four to five yards. A chain is still, he's, ultra fast if he can get into the open field. Hayne Kings was the same way. The times he ran the ball that he got in the open ground, he covered it gazelle-like. <laughs> I don't know how to put it Put it other than that. Smith was out there. We had another guy crown over. I don't think we played him before, but they both were able to get some yards on the ground. It was good to see Chapman back and uh, Chase Lane. Chapman was a wide receiver. He was out after the Florida game last year, he injured his ankle, so he was back. He got 91 yards receiving. It was good seeing him out there. Anaya Smith caught the ball a lot more than he just ran the ball from the backfield. And Smith's pretty quick, and he's pretty small. You know, it's interesting. The, the way that, with the way our rushers are, you got three different, very different weapons here. Spiller's the guy that'll, that'll take a hit or four and still get you yards. A-Chain needs an open field, so if he can break a tackle, and he can, I mean, he can break one or two tackles, and once he gets that open field, you're just not going to catch him. That's exactly what we saw. The defense literally could not catch him. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to say he's like the fourth or fifth fastest on the in the 200 at the collegiate level, if I remember correctly. So he's a sprinter. <laughs> um, and then Anaya Smith is sort of kind of a, a combination of the two. He can take a hit or two. He's not quite as good as that, and he can break a tackle or two if things work out. And he's fairly fast, and so it's good to have all those weapons. Weidemeyer, not as big of a player this time, although still always there, still a good target. Haynes King just didn't use him as much as Mond. As Mond. Mond, I mean, Weidemeyer was like one out of every three throws for Mond. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite as often with Haynes King, which is fine because we do have, you know, we have Chase Lane, we have Caleb Chaplin and both Anaya Smith and Isaiah Spiller will catch the ball. You know, offensively, we look pretty good. Lots of weapons, but still kind of a green offense. Well, as much as we might have offensive weapons, it definitely seems that the two that we focus on are Anaya Smith and Isaiah Spiller. Yes. That if they're on the field, the ball's probably getting in their hands one way or another. Yeah. You know, that was the same last year. That was the same kind of a deal. And they're good. (laughs) I fully expect them to get drafted at the end of this year. I really do. I mean, that's going to depend on how we play in general, but... uh, I mean, they're they're just good ball players. Did you have anything else you wanted to, to bring up about the game? No, it was pretty straightforward. It was Kent State. It was at a conference. And it was a blowout. I didn't watch much of it. I think I was in the process of moving. So yeah. So the other big uh, SEC team blowout. Actually, there were two. Alabama just annihilated Miami. 
Miami came into that with kind of a chip on their shoulder. They were ranked again, you know. Miami kind of thought that this was going to be a comeback year for them. Uh, Alabama beat them 44 to 13. (laughs) Kind of just manhandled them. Auburn beat Akron 60 to 10. So, yeah. (laughs) There were three really, really close games. The big highlight for that week was Georgia and Clemson. That's because Clemson was ranked number six and Georgia was ranked number two going into that week. And, oh, shoot, the rankings on these these games are the updated ones. No, if you're using ESPN. No, I'm looking at Google's. Oh, so like on ESPN for the Kent State, it said we were six. I'm looking at the Colorado game and it says we're fifth. We're fifth, yeah. There's not a whole lot to talk about this game other than how tough it was, which gives us plenty of time to go on to my rant about what happened after the game. <laughs> well, I do want to talk about a couple games. So the Georgia-Clemson game. Uh, was pretty big, primarily because Georgia was ranked number five, Clemson was ranked number three, and this was a massive defensive game. Georgia does come out with a win, but it's only like in the in the final quarter. I mean, they they go. I think the first half ends zero zero, like it is a flat out defensive game. Georgia ends up winning ten to three, kind of clinching Georgia being much more of a powerhouse that a lot of people kind of expected them to be and Clemson not being quite as good, which is what a lot of us also expected to be why they got ranked so high in the first place. I, you know, Hey, it's Georgia. Um, <laughs> or it's, it's Clemson. They always get ranked high. Tulane almost beat Oklahoma. So Oklahoma was ranked number two coming into this Tulane unranked, unranked and all of their players living in a hotel because they're, city was being crushed by a hurricane or had just been crushed by a hurricane uh, out of new orleans and tulane dominated this game for three quarters and then basically lost it in the very very end oklahoma was able to pull out a win from the jaws of defeat 40 to 35 either tulane had just an amazing amazing weekend or oklahoma sorry just not as good as everybody thought they were which kind of is where i'm at (laughs) commonly called a struggle win ucla and lsu so ucla again unranked lsu came in number 16 thinking okay we had that one bad year where we lost you know half of all of our starters to to the nfl you know maybe we've rebuilt and and we're we're back now doesn't look like it (laughs) ucla beat him 38 to 27 which is a pretty impressive come out for ucla being in the pac-12 which everyone thinks is a joke at this point and they beat what is a decently ranked SEC team, 38 to 27. So not like super handily, but, you know, pretty decently, almost two touchdowns uh-huh. of a win there. So it's sort of like everybody, okay, well, I guess LSU's going to suck again this year. <laughs> <laughs> kind of uh, coming out of that game. Those were the big highlights. The other really close game was Notre Dame-Florida State. That went into overtime. That was that close. Uh, they were trailing pretty solidly into the fourth quarter and they brought in their second string quarterback who was coming off of like a completely rebuilt leg. He had been out for like 18 months. Everybody was question mark whether he was going to be able to do anything. He comes out and he puts up 18 points, ties it, ties it at the very end. And this was a heartbreaker for Florida state because in overtime they get the ball and they go to, you know, they don't make it very far. So they have to kick a field goal and they kick a field goal, and it's good, but right before the field goal was kicked, the Florida State coach had called timeout because he wanted to review the previous play 
because it had been ruled a fumble that had been recovered by Florida State, but he thought it was a forward pass that had been incomplete. Uh-huh. So even though the kicker made it, it doesn't count because of timeout. And they review the play, and, and sure enough, it is a for- they do rule it as a forward pass that got incomplete, and so that gives them another like 15 yards closer to the goal post to kick the uh, field goal, and then of course the kicker misses. So if he if he hadn't monkeyed with it, the kicker would have been fine. I mean, he barely made it, but he made it <laughs> on the first one. So he misses the so they get zero points in that overtime attempt. The Notre Dame comes up, Florida State defense comes out, they do their job, they stop Notre Dame. Notre Dame goes up for the field goal, boom, make the field goal, win the game. And so it's um it's kind of sad that the Florida State coach effectively just cost him the game. But yeah, lots of good games on week one. It was and that was surprising. Because again, this is quote unquote preseason out of your conference doesn't matter, but there were a lot of good matchups in week one. Move on to week two. God, this was painful. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's some lots of things in week two that are well, okay. It was a mixed bag week week two because there was one thing that if you're an A and M fan or really a fan of anybody who hasn't made the playoffs but you think should have, there was one game that really should have made you happy, and that was Ohio State, Oregon. Ohio State, Oregon. This was Oregon being dominant the whole game. Yeah. I mean at one point it came down to a it came down to a touchdown, but I mean for most of the game, Oregon was up by two scores. Yeah. Basically uh second quarter you know, it's 14 to 7. Third quarter, it's 28 to 14. And in the fourth quarter, Oregon only scores one touchdown. Ohio State managed to score score two. So Ohio State has a chance at the very end to to kind of try and bring back and tie it. And they, the Oregon's defense comes up with a stop and end of the game. And so this was a huge, huge blowout because... Huge. <laughs> and it happened in... In Columbus. It happened at the Horseshoe. Yeah. You know, you have Ohio State coming into this game ranked number three because the Ohio State's always well-ranked. And Oregon's actually ranked 12, which is impressive because the Pac-12 has just been kind of dismissed at this point as UCLA's win over LSU. It was like, oh, okay, yeah. But, I mean, it's it's LSU. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so the Pac-12 comes in, but they win this game. And they win it, they, they win it like they look like they won it. It, it wasn't a huge, huge struggle on their part. They looked good, and they kind of said, no, no, the Pac-12, we've actually got some good teams, y'all. <laughs> right, and, that, and that's made better. Again, this is going on to a little bit of the beauty pageant that when Texas and Oklahoma decided to join the SEC, it was the Big Ten, and, and when you say Big Ten, you mean Ohio State, that this made a, quote, air quotes, alliance with other big conferences, including the Pac-12, so that way they didn't feel like they were just getting muscled out of uh, ratings and, and everything else. But you you absolutely knew that when the Big Ten slash Ohio State did this, they were like, oh yeah, we're the big team, you guys need to come under our wing. And Oregon comes into their house and beats them handedly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this was this was interesting super eventual super conference politics going on here <laughs> on the football field. On the other side of that, Oklahoma played Western Carolina and put up 76 points to their zero. <laughs> Apparently, they were pretty ticked off about almost losing the week before to Tulane. They were still ranked four, though, that week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, the other big game that just brings a smile to my heart from that week that was not the AM game was the Texas-Arkansas game. 
so coming into that, Texas is ranked number 15. All the Texas Texas is back. You know, they've been saying it for a decade now. Texas is back. <laughs> back. <laughs> now that we're coming to the SEC, we're really back. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's funny watching that game because the commentators were just like, every time they could bring it up, they're like, oh, these are former uh, Southwest Conference rivals, you know, just like LSU and Arkansas used to be part of the Southwest Conference. So they played Texas, they played Texas A&M regularly. Like these are former conference rivals and, and everybody here in Arkansas hates Texas. And they do like, they really do. Everybody had like a shirt on that said beat Texas or tuck Texas or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) They were, they were all very much. Yeah. We want to beat these guys. And, you know, Texas coming into this rank number 15th, Arkansas completely unranked, and Arkansas just rips them apart. <laughs> in the first half, Texas doesn't put up a single point. And in the se- in the first half, Arkansas puts up 26. It's a series of field goals for the most part, but they do get uh, at least one touchdown. And Arkansas just kind of, in the second half, just sort of shows off the fact that it has a lot of running backs that are decent. And so... This is definitely a game I watched because we're going to play them in two weeks. <laughs> and, and I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, but but we'll see because they have a, different, a pretty decent defense too. And then Texas sort of came alive once they put their second-string quarterback in. And the second-string Texas quarterback came in, and, and suddenly their offense started to click. And so they scored. They got one touchdown in the third and two in the fourth. But at that point, they were trailing by so much that Arkansas just – just beat the stew at him 40 to 21 <laughs> coming out of this arkansas ends up ranked 20 and texas is unranked after that <laughs> you want to take a second to talk about the sec shorts video with that because i watched that yesterday <laughs> oh yeah so the sec shorts yeah you had to beat up <laughs> the beat up texas yeah. trying to sneak into the sec offices to <laughs> to shred the contract to join the the sec the sec <laughs> You know, hey, this is what the because they're talking about going to pods, which I guess is a that'll be a different uh, a different podcast. We'll talk about that concept, but they're it's it's so you have a four team portion of your instead of splitting the conference half and half, you split the conference in four, and you have a pod that you play in, and and then you have your own little conference playoff system. But you know, hey, Texas pod could look like this. You know, you'll be playing Oklahoma, A uh, and M, and Arkansas every year. You just see. <laughs> Thanks. Oh, so we'll just never win another football game again. <laughs> what was that? That was great. That was great. What I said is what I said. <laughs> and there's Arkansas standing next to the exit door. He's like, "You're not coming into our conference. You're locked into the conference with us." Yeah. He's like, "Oh, I'm not locked in here with you. With you. You're locked, You're in, locked here in here with me." With me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trying to talk his way out of the conference and the guy's like we've got a signed contract <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was that was the other uh really heartwarming game to come out i guess if we're doing the rounds uh, notre dame really struggled against toledo you know they barely won over florida state they barely win against toledo 32 to 29 uh, so I don't expect no. I mean, they're still ranked eight. I don't expect them to be ranked. As, I mean, but they just they're so overranked. <laughs> they really are. Another big matchup: Clemson, number six versus. Oh no, that's not South Carolina. It's South Carolina State. So they they beat them pretty handily, forty nine to three. Yeah. So let's talk about the painful game. 
<laughs> Texas A&M versus Colorado. So Colorado, another Pac-12 team. So this is another Power Five conference team. Although it's Colorado, so everybody, everybody I talked to expected us to go in there and just wipe them clean. And the whole time I was thinking it's just not going to happen. I, I fully expected us to lose. I, going into the game. I didn't want us to. I didn't expect us to lose. I just thought it was going to be a tough game just because, I mean, like you said, we were in Colorado, so there is a terrain issue to go with that. Plus, I mean, I don't. I have a higher opinion, I guess, of Colorado than I think a lot of people do. Yeah, I, I don't know what you call it. It's, it, just, it was just a premonition. Like, when I saw our schedule months ago, I looked at that and I was like, yeah, we're going to lose to Colorado. I just looked at it. And I was like, yep, that's going to happen. We're going to go up there. Everybody's going to be super hyped about us. And then we're going to do terrible. and We're going to lose. And then, and then, <laughs> and then the game happened. And, uh, my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> one of the roughest starts you can have in a football game. You lose your, your starting quarterback and he went out pretty hard. You see the hit. He ran the ball, which a, he's, that's what he does. But he took a pretty hard hit. Basically, a defender grabbed him around his waist and flipped him over right as another guy came in and slammed into him and ended up with a broken ankle, effectively, out of that. And so he went off the field limping, not putting any weight on that on that foot, and into the locker room and gone. And so we were down to our, our second-string quarterback, Seth Calzada. <laughs> so he came in the game, and he just did not click. He was jumpy. He was throwing too fast, throwing too hard, throwing the wrong place. Like you can physically see that he was just not comfortable. Like when they were doing sh- up close shots of his face, you could see he was not relaxed. That it that he was almost scared. You know, like he yeah. was well concentrated on trying to survive. <laughs> well, it's like if you remember the Sumlin years, that was it. Like every time we got to the Alabama game. Our quarterback coming out of that game would just be scared from that point on. You could just tell, like, and that's because the offensive line just couldn't stand up to Alabama's defense. And so he would get sacked a lot. And that's exactly what I was seeing. It's kind of this just fear. And it was interesting watching him come off the field and Jimbo Fisher would talk to him and be like, hey... I don't know what Jimbo was saying, but there was occasionally yelling, but a lot of it was more. It wasn't the usual, you know, Jimbo Fisher getting ramped up. It was a calmer Jimbo Fisher. You're like, oh, he's giving him the nice talk. Yeah. I don't know if that makes me, if that makes it better or worse. <laughs> I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. So, and then for some reason, our defense was just kind of asleep for the first quarter. And so Colorado was able to, to score a touchdown. And um, we just got flat out out coached on our defensive side. So their offense was able to just run over our defense for that first, I would say the first quarter and about half of the second quarter. I don't know. It's hard to say that they got run over because that's the only points that we let Colorado make for the rest of the game. Yeah, no, I, it, it, it was it basically we were it looked like we were just getting out coached flat out. And then, and then our coaching staff made changes. <laughs> and then after that point, we were doing fine. Uh, the way Fisher put it in the post-game press conference was that a lot of the, the defensive players were trying to make plays instead of doing their jobs. Right. And once everybody got over that, that they started doing their jobs, then things got better. Right. And I, I kind of agree with him. I, I think that's probably what happened. And that's something they're going to learn at the college level. And what I think a lot of people don't understand about uh, defensive players at the professional level is that turnovers happen because the defense was doing their job so well, they put themselves in a position to create the turnover. Yeah. Turnovers aren't just a, a, a happy accident. They're, a lot of times they're designed and implemented because the defense does their job so well that they've 
they've helped create the turnover. Yeah, if you go out there as a defense and you try and play magnet ball, it's not going to work, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody on the field has to do their job all the time, even if they're on a part of the field where there's no action. It doesn't matter that you think there's no action out there. You do your job, and when something happens in your area, you'll be ready for it. Right. And I think that that was the shift, because I think in the in the second half, I don't know if they even let them get past a third down. Uh-huh. They were able to get a, a couple first downs, Colorado was, but there was a lot of three and outs on the Colorado side of the ball after that. Well, first down numbers were 14. Yeah. Each team had 14 first downs. Third down efficiency was almost even, I guess you could kind of say. We were 8 for 20, and they were 4 for 14. Yeah. and I mean, and they, looking at all the numbers coming into the fourth quarter, they were just running over us. Like, in every number, passing, rushing, stops, third down conversion. Mm-hmm. From a purely numbers game, and not necessarily, I mean, they were still beating us, of course. Colorado looked like the dominant team. Once the offense finally started clicking, <laughs> everything suddenly came alive. Mm-hmm. Our total yardage between the two teams, Colorado was 260, A&M was only 288. Most of that happened in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Most of those yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had 191 passing yards. You know, None of that was in the first half. Almost none of that was in the first half. Rushing was only 97 yards, which was a little concerning because they were really able to stop the rush. They were, especially in the first half, our defense had a real problem stopping their rush because they had one good and one really good rusher. And then their quarterback was also really good. And so they had that kind of dual threat system that we had with Kellen Mon and Isaiah Spiller last year. And they were able to run, run that over us for the first two quarters. But after that point, we, we really put a stop to that. It was almost like two different games, the first half and the second half especially in the fourth quarter once Calzada got comfortable and started clicking. The final score was 10 to 7. Mm-hmm. It was almost 17 to 7. Calzada almost had a touchdown but fumbled the ball at the like the last millisecond <laughs> as the ball was crossing the yard line. Uh, yeah, that was a tough one. Yeah, and it so it counted as a fumble and Colorado picked it up and got a touchback. They didn't get anywhere on that drive. It would have been more and, and I think finally seeing Calzada get comfortable I have a lot more hope that the offense will not pick up or... Well, that's what I'll say about that play. That was the, the good part, is he took ownership of that play when in, when it didn't look like there was anything good that was going to happen. He's like, no, no, I'm just going to go for it, you know? And he, and he put himself out there. So that was good to see. That was some good leadership. Hopefully, that'll just help go into this week's uh, match a, a little bit better. Yeah. I mean, because there was a lot of thought that Haynes was the running guy and Calzado was the throwing guy. And so we weren't going to see Calzado run. And we did see Calzado run several times. And it was good to see he didn't try and force as many passes as he did. He did try and force some passes. But if you're mostly a passer, that's what you can get stuck into. The concept that I have to make a play, and so I'm going to throw a bad ball in hopes that it gets caught by our guy. And I'm like, eh, no. Because <laughs> that's typically what ends up with an interception. <laughs> it was nice to see that he didn't throw an interception. Hopeful that the offense clicks more. You know, obviously this week we're playing the New Mexico. New Mexico Lobos. At home. Apparently it's a wolf. <laughs> well, we don't expect this to be a real difficult game for us. But we'll see. Uh, we'll see how they do. We also see some SEC play starting this week. We've got Alabama playing Florida, so I'm going to be very interested in that and how that game goes. Nebraska's playing Oklahoma in the, I think that's Big 12, right? I think, or no, it's Nebraska Big 10? Yes. But that's still a Power 5 matchup, so that'll be interesting. 
Let's see, Notre Dame's against Purdue. So Alabama-Florida is going to be the big game, I think, for this week. Ohio State's playing Tulsa. Oh, South Carolina and Georgia. So that's another SEC game. They're probably going to watch Georgia just destroy South Carolina, but that's an SEC game. <laughs> uh, a good SEC Big Ten matchup. We got Auburn playing Penn State. Penn State's ranked number 10 right now. I don't know how. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, And then we got Ole Miss versus Tulane. I'll be interested in that game just because we've got to play Ole Miss. And, you know, I watched Ole Miss in the first week, and unlike last year, they appear that they have a defense of some kind. Because that was kind of Ole Miss's thing. And we didn't play them last year because of COVID. But Ole Miss last year was very much, we have an offense but no defense. And so this year they look like they actually have a defense. So I'll be interested, given how well Tulane played against Oklahoma, Tulane versus Ole Miss, I'd like to see how Ole Miss does against them. So that's what I'm looking forward to this coming week in college football. I guess 45 minutes from now. (laughs) <laughs> from when yep. I'm recording this. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so this has been uh, another episode of Pat and the Fat Man. Remember, we've got a website, patthefatman.com. You can register, become a member. You can leave comments and, and whatnot about our, po- about our uh, uh, whatever these are called, um, <laughs> about, our show, <laughs> about our shows there. Uh, we do have a Facebook page now, Pat and the Fat Man. You can go there and, and comment and, and leave us suggestions. And then you could also be a wonderful person and become a, a patron. And for little, the low, low price of $1 a month or $5 a month or the more, if you feel like uh, supporting us a little more, you know, help us pay our editor and make these podcasts listenable. Uh, we do appreciate our current patrons, uh, all three of them. <laughs> and, and, and we really want you to become a patron too. So thanks everybody for listening. I'm Pat. I'm the fat man. Stay classy. Gig them. All right. I'm going to go pick up groceries. You go pick up the food. I'm going to go get ready to start drinking.